listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast page and be able to interact with other listeners by sharing your insights into today's readings. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 246. We are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 17, Paragraphs 572 to 578. Chapter 17. The sufferings of our Savior Jesus Christ after the denial of St. Peter until morning and the great sorrow of his Most Holy Mother. 572. The holy evangelists pass over in silence what and where the Savior suffered after the ill treatment in the house of Caiaphas and the denial of St. Peter. But they all take up again the thread of events when they speak of the council held by them in the morning in order to deliver him over to Pilate, as will be related in the next chapter. I had some doubts as to the propriety of speaking of this intervening time and of manifesting that which was made known to me concerning it. For it was intimated to me that all cannot be known in this life, nor is it proper that all should be made known to all men. On the day of judgment, these and many other sacraments of the life and the passion of our Lord shall be published to the world. I cannot find words for describing that which I might otherwise manifest. I do not find adequate expressions for my concepts, and much less for the reality itself. All is ineffable and above my capacity." But in order to obey the orders given me, I will say what I am able, so as not to incur the blame of concealing the truth, which directly reproaches and confuses our vanity and forgetfulness. In the presence of heaven, I confess my own hardness of heart, in dying of sorrow and shame for having committed such great sins at such a cost to my God, the originator of my life and being. We cannot ignore the wickedness and gravity of sin, which caused such ravages in the author of grace and glory. I would be the most grateful of all the women born, if I would not now abhor sin more than death and as much as even the demon. And I cannot but intimate and assert that this is the duty likewise of all the children of the Holy Catholic Church. 573. By the ill treatment which the Lord received in the presence of Caiaphas, The wrath of this high priest and of all his supporters and ministers was much gratified, though not at all satiated. 
But as it was already past midnight, the whole council of these wicked men resolved to take good care, that the Savior be securely watched and confined until the morning, lest he should escape while they were asleep. For this purpose they ordered him to be locked, bound as he was, in one of the subterranean dungeons, a prison cell set apart for the most audacious robbers and criminals of the state. Scarcely any light penetrated into this prison to dispel its darkness. It was filled with such uncleanness and stench that it would have infected the whole house if it had not been so remote and so well enclosed, for it had not been cleaned for many years, both because it was so deep down and because of the degradation of the criminals that were confined in it, for none thought it worth while making it more habitable than for mere wild beasts unworthy of all human kindness. 574. The order of the Council of Wickedness was executed. The servants dragged the Creator of heaven and earth to that polluted and subterranean dungeon there to imprison him. As the Lord was still bound with the fetters laid upon him in the garden, these malicious men freely exercised all the wrathful cruelty with which they were inspired by the Prince of Darkness, for they dragged him forward by the ropes inhumanly causing him to stumble and loading him with kicks and cuffs amid blasphemous imprecations. From the floor in one corner of the subterranean cavern protruded part of a rock or a block which, on account of its hardness, had not been cut out. To this block, which had the appearance of a piece of column, they now bound and fettered the Lord Jesus with the ends of the ropes, but in a most merciless manner. For they forced him to approach it and tied him to it, in a stooping position, so that he could neither seat himself nor stand upright for relief, forcing him to remain in a most painful and torturing posture. Thus they left him bound to the rock, closing the prison door with a key, and giving it in charge of one of the most malicious of their number. 575. But the infernal dragon rested not in his ancient pride, in the desire of finding out who this Christ was and of overcoming his imperturbable patience, he invented another scheme to the execution of which he incited the jailer and some others of the servants. He inspired the one who held the key of the divine treasure trove, the greatest in heaven and earth, with the idea of inviting some of his equally evil-minded companions to descend to the dungeon and entertain themselves for a while with the master of life by forcing him to speak of prophecy or do some other strange or unheard of thing. For they believed him to be a diviner or magician. Moved by this diabolical suggestion, he invited some of the soldiers and servants who readily consented. While they were discussing this matter, a multitude of angels who assisted the Redeemer in his passion, when they saw him so painfully bound in such an improper and polluted place, prostrated themselves before him, adoring him as their true God and Master, and showing him so much the more reverence and worship the more they admired the love which moved him to subject himself to such abuse for the sake of mankind. They sang to him some of the hymns and canticles which his own mother had composed in his praise, as I have mentioned above. The whole multitude of angelic spirits begged him in the name of the same lady, that since he would not permit his own almighty power to alleviate the sufferings of his humanity, he gave them permission to unfetter and relieve him of the torturing position, and to defend him from that horde of servants now instigated by the demons to heap upon him new insults. 576. The Lord would not permit the angels to render this service, 
And he said to them, Ministering spirits of my eternal Father, I do not wish to accept any alleviation of my sufferings at present, and I desire to undergo these torments and affronts in order to satiate my burning love for men and leave to my chosen friends this example for their imitation and consolation in their sufferings. And in order that all may properly estimate the treasures of grace, which I am gaining for them in great abundance through my pains. At the same time, I wish to justify my cause so that on the day of my wrath, all may know how justly the reprobate shall be condemned for despising the most bitter suffering by which I sought to save them. Tell my mother to console herself in this tribulation since the day of rest and gladness shall come. Let her accompany me now in my works and sufferings for men. For her affection and compassion in all her doings afford me much pleasure and enjoyment. Thereupon the holy angels betook themselves to their great queen and lady, and consoled her with this message. Although she already knew in another way the will of her divine son, and all that happened in the house of Caiaphas. When she perceived the new cruelty with which they had left Christ the Lord bound in a posture so painful and hard, She felt in her purest body the same pains, just as she had felt that of the blows and cuffs and other insults inflicted upon the author of life. All the sufferings of the Lord miraculously reacted upon the virginal body of the sincerest dove. The same pains beset the son and mother, and the same sword pierced both their hearts, with only this difference, that Christ suffered as God-man and sole redeemer of mankind, while Mary suffered as a creature and as a faithful helper of her most holy son. 577. When the Blessed Queen perceived that this band of vile miscreants, incited by the devil, would be permitted to enter the dungeon, she wept bitterly at what was to happen. Foreseeing the malicious intentions of Lucifer, she held herself ready to make use of her sovereign power to prevent the executions of any design upon the person of Christ that would imply indecency, such as the dragon sought to induce those unhappy men to carry out. For although all they did was most unbecoming and irreverent in his regard, yet there was insults which would have still been more indecent, and by which the demon, not having succeeded hitherto, desired now to try the meek forbearance of the Lord. So exquisite and rare, wonderful and heroic were the doings of the lady at this time, and during the whole passion, that they could not worthily be mentioned or becomingly extolled even if many books were written for the sole object, and as they are indescribable in this life, we must leave their full revelation to the beatific vision. 578. The ministers of wickedness, therefore, broke into the dungeon, blasphemously gloating over the expected feast of insult and ridicule which they were now to hold with the Lord of all creation. Going up to him, they began to defile him with their loathsome spittle and rain blows and cuffs upon him with unmentionable and insulting mockery. The Lord opened not his mouth or made any answer. He raised not his divine eyes and lost not the humble serenity of his countenance. The sacrilegious buffoons wished to drive him to some ridiculous or extraordinary saying or action so that they might make a laughingstock of him as a sorcerer. And when they were compelled to witness this unchanging meekness, they allowed themselves to be incited still more by the demons. They untied the divine master from the stone block and placed him in the middle of the dungeon, at the same time blindfolding him with a cloth. There they began to come up one after the other and strike him with their fists or slap or kick him 
each one trying to outdo the other in vehemence of their blasphemous cruelty and asking him to prophesy who had struck him. This kind of sacrilegious treatment these servants repeated even more often and continued longer than before the tribunal of Annas, to which St. Matthew 2667, St. Mark 1465, and St. Luke 2264 refer tacitly, including all that followed. This concludes our reading today for day number 246. We've been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 17, paragraphs 572 to 578. If you ever make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, there's a church near Jerusalem or in Jerusalem called St. Peter Gallicantu. Gallicantu is the cock crowing. So this is the church that recalls the betrayal of Jesus by Peter, where he denies him three times. When you go into St. Peter Gallicantu, or on the property, I can't remember just exactly, there is this dungeon. You go down into the dungeon. In a very powerful moment, is reciting a psalm. And again, it's been a while since I've been to the Holy Land, so I don't remember which psalm it is. But the psalm really captures kind of the desolation of Jesus in that moment. Arrested, betrayed, and now in torture in this dungeon. And today we heard, really, what that does, what that was like for the Lord Jesus what suffering he underwent, and how at the very end of our reading even that they beat him and they struck him and did all of these unkind things. Mary wanted the angels to alleviate the suffering of Jesus. But Jesus says, I desire to undergo these torments and affronts to, in order to satiate my burning love for men, and leave to my chosen friends this example for their imitation and consolation their sufferings. So Jesus suffers so that he gives the example. Jesus suffers so that we might imitate him. Jesus suffers so that we might be saved. And then he tells the angels, tell my mother to console herself in this tribulation, since the day of rest and gladness shall come. Well, I think that day of rest is probably the immediacy of the Sabbath day. That as Jesus dies on the cross and they take him down, well, that's the day of rest. That's the Sabbath. A day of rest and gladness. Well, what day of gladness? Well, the new Sabbath, the new day of the Lord, Sunday, on which Jesus bursts forth from the grave. That's the new day of gladness. So Mary... The suffering is only for a little while because the hope of a better tomorrow is coming. We hear the passion of Jesus and hopefully it does something to our soul that says, I don't wish to confront Jesus with blows anymore in my own life. That every time I consent to sin, it's as if I strike him like those people at the end of our reading. No, I want to be like Mary. I want to love the Lord and express it by every word and action of my life. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. 
I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.